listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. This is Drishti Point, and I'm Lauren Spaniolo. Welcome, Deva Pramal and Mitten. Deva, as I've read through um, your biography, um, you talk often about the Gayatri Mantra and the introduction, your early introduction, while you're in fact in the womb of uh, your mother. And generally, I always start the show with how um, spiritual uh, teachers begin their spiritual journey. And um, that would be my first question to you and how you feel your spiritual journey began. Question. Um, actually, maybe I, I maybe I was always on it, you know, ever since I was born. <laughs> maybe a bit unconscious in the beginning because I was basically walking my my parents' path by by singing the mantras and by you know reciting the Zen stories before before the meal times or by you know chanting mantras while walking. So. So it was something that that they led me on, and and uh, but then I found my own way, or wanted to find my own way. And first, that led me to Christianity, which was around ten years old. That I felt that's that's where I'm really drawn to. And then back to India with with finding my guru Osho when I was eleven years old, and then just feeling totally at home in in his world or in this the the community around him and the whole feeling that he he gave me and uh, that's really where I felt home and have been home ever since that time which is almost 30 years ago now Hmm. and what do you think about what was it about Osho that resonated with you at the time I mean you were 11 years old yeah, I can only, you know, it was a, really a feeling rather than an intellectual decision because I couldn't speak English, so I couldn't understand what he was saying. I didn't really read any books at that point, didn't, wasn't really interested in what he was saying. I loved the picture, I loved the photo, I loved the meditations, and that was really my first introduction to, to him was doing his active meditations which includes shaking and dancing and sitting silently and, and, and lying down, you know, like very actually also appropriate for 10, 11-year-olds because you're not requested to just sit for 45 minutes motionless, you know, but you, you, you get there in a very natural way through movement of the body. And I just totally loved doing these meditations, did them for myself regularly and and loved the community, loved the people that I met there and felt part of that family very easily, very naturally. I'm curious about something. When you were 11, did you actually go there on your own or were you accompanied by your parents? I was accompanied by my parents. They introduced me, obviously, to it. And uh, my mother went to India and uh, experienced also when he was still in India in 81. And, but they, you know, they just showed that to me because they were interested. So they just took us along, my sister and me. And, and, and then after a while I felt like, oh, I want to, I want to become his disciple. You know, I want to be, I want to be a sannyasin, also sannyasin. And 
And she, was, she was a strange kid, like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it was at that point, you know, they were all wearing the red clothes and the, the mala with this with this picture around their neck. So it was a big decision, you know, to, to, it wasn't just something you can do in your back room or something and nobody will know. And, and, and I did it. I, I, I was ready for that and, and ended up wearing red clothes and mala in school, you know, going to school every day and just being a little strange there, but still accepted and, and welcomed, and I never felt any adversity from anyone or any problems, you know. As an outsider looking in, I would think that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, we, you know, we're born into certain families, I guess, for a reason. You know, and the whole analogy about choosing our parents and so on and so forth, I mean, I think... I thought to myself, well, God, was there any struggle in the beginning? You know, generally when when something, when um, we get onto the spiritual path, you know, as you've written, Mitten, is there's the struggle or there's the awareness that something is not working. Do you know? Yeah. You know, Mitten, if you want to come into this after Deva comments or whatever. It's against my parents and... And that was maybe, you know, when I did drop the mantras when I was like eight, nine, ten years old and didn't want to sing them anymore because that was something I didn't really choose to do myself. So, and, and then maybe the Christianity was a kind of a <laughs> rebellion because <laughs> although they, they were very open to Christianity, they weren't Christians at the time. Right, right. So, but it was... Yeah, I, I didn't really go through a big dark night of the soul in that in that sense. It just was a very blissful <laughs> uh, chain of events. <laughs> right. And so, Mitten, in your early um, beginnings, I've read um, the biography on your life and how you know, you had a family and and so on and so forth. And then when you found Osho Meditation, and that's where your life began to really change and evolve. What was it about that time where you said... And it, it, it changed it, uh, you know, 360 degrees. It just turned me right there. 180. 180. <laughs> well, it turned me all the way around twice. <laughs> uh, you know what it's like when you... When you uh, when you come across your your path, it's uh, I I often think of, of the analogy of the fisherman and Jesus. You know, when the the fisherman just put down their nets and followed Jesus. You know, and that's a, a pretty a radical thing to do, and it's no different to uh, to what's ha- what happened to me in a way. You know, it's what about the fisherman's families? What about their their children, what about their wives? They just left. They just left. And uh, the spiritual path takes no prisoners, you know. It's very intense. And uh, Osho was a, he, Osho liked the edge. He liked to uh, live out there. And uh, because he, he, he often said that, you know, God is not in your garden. You have to go outside the gate. Of course, he was talking uh, metaphysically, but but you know what I mean. It 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 does. For most of us, it takes uh, a step and a decision that is unavoidable, Lauren. You know, and I think that's that's the nature of things. So for me, 
my music and uh, my songwriting and my so-called career in the record company and everything else suddenly just seemed like dust. And um, I didn't really have much option, really. I just felt like I'd read a book and I thought to myself, if this exists, the world that, that uh, this Indian guru is talking about, then I owe it to myself to find it. And it did exist, and actually, in fact, it still does, because the connection with a guru is timeless and beyond the physical, of course. Yes. Well, I mean, that's a beautiful, uh, you know, what it, we, if I, I don't want to use this word, but comparison between Jesus and the fishermen, I understand that. You never really think of that, you know. Yeah. Now, did you feel any sense of guilt? Oh, yeah. I felt like the worst person in the world. Right. I, I, you know, I, I did what I never thought I would do, and that's to leave my family. So, uh, but that was, uh, it wasn't just uh, walking out the door, it was a process that took over a year. And, uh, you know, and then until I actually realized that I'm, I'm, um, I was making more trouble by staying than, uh, than going. Mm. And, uh, you know, in, actually, in fact, it, as, as these fairy tales do, it turned out to be a very beautiful thing because my son is now 33 years old and uh, he was 22 when I left him and his mother. But we stayed connected all through, all through my life and uh, he's now getting married in a couple of days. We're, next weekend, actually, Dave and I are going over to England where he lives and uh, he, he's asked me to be his best man. So we're really good pals, really good friends and I think it's very unique that a son would ask his father to be his best man. So I guess you know, things work out uh, for the best somehow, huh? They do. I think we just, uh, you know, really have to trust that while we're in anything in life, I guess, even when we feel like we're in the muck of something and we don't see, you know, what's at the end and we just want to know what's at, not so much the end, but, you know, that hoping that things will fall into place. And it really is about trust. It sounds like what you're saying. It's about trust. And of course, you can't teach trust. You have to experience it for oneself, you know. Osho knew, Osho created a whole bunch of, of, he created a whole life for people just like me who were, who were feeling lost, guilty, uh, exuberant, uh, passionate, and um, he, he must have looked out at thousands of young Westerners and, and, and uh, and, and figured out how to how to help them. I, I feel like that's what happened with him. He was a he was young himself at that time, and he was a university professor. So he, he was very articulate, and, and and like I said, he he wasn't scared of uh, going in and deeply exploring uh, the human psyche. So so it was an incredible time, and and, and born also born on the wings of celebration. Because his, his way is to celebrate life, to embrace every aspect of, of one's being and not to, not to shut down, but to open to it and not be scared. Come out, come out of the garden and see and be in the wind and the rain and the sun. And that's where life begins, you know. That's how it, um, that's how it was for me anyway. It still is. And then I met Deva in that, in that, 
face, I, I met a 20-year-old girl who was absolutely radiant and uh, incredibly intelligent and beautiful. She wasn't singing at the time. I actually watched Deva become Deva Pramal because uh, she wasn't singing when we first met. <laughs> Okay, wow. Well, I want to actually just take something, what Davis said earlier, and, you know, either of you could comment on, on the Osho, the red clothes. What does that signify? I mean, uh, there's so many, so many aspects to it. Okay. One is just, you know, that, that you have the courage to, to, uh, stand in that in the world you know you are you can't hide with that you are you're always seen as somebody who's made a choice and that choice is possibly not one that many people would make because you quite easily look very ridiculous especially if you're a guy wearing all these red clothes so it's a, it's a constant reminder of your of your journey of your of your commitment to your spiritual path and then the red color comes from the you know it's also a little bit of a um, challenge that Osho always used to like to do challenging the old traditions and the and the you know, in India, the sannyasins, the renunciates, they, they wear orange clothes. So to put us into red and orange clothes, us who we absolutely don't renounce anything, was a big challenge for the, for the Indian conditioning, you know. And, uh, and that's, he always liked to just shake things up and, and, and take people out of their comfort zone. So it, it worked in many ways. It was a, and it's also vibration, you know, it's the colors of the sunrise. So you are in that very vibrant, alive color. And you, you, you surround yourself with that color. So it's very, very, it wakes you up, you know? Right. Yeah, I think it was also, you know, it, it was a challenge. Do you want, do you want to be enlightened? Do you want, or do you just want to integrate some spiritual concept into your life? And uh, it was a challenge. Do I want to go all the way? Okay, uh, uh, you know. And, and it was a it was a break in the past, which is necessary, actually. So it was very much like, you know, three things: take a new name, yes, wear red clothes, mm -hmm. and wear the mala. And if and uh, and then see if you still want to be enlightened. You know, see if you can walk in that. And uh, so, you know, eventually, of course, he took it all away. But it was a—it uh, was no more than a device, really, to to uh, to wake somebody up. Do I want to do this or not? Do I want to look ridiculous in the eyes of the world or not? And uh, how much do I want it? And how much do I trust? And and what was happening it was that we weren't just learning about trust. We were experiencing, wow, this this is something. When I do these meditations. I do feel a weight drop off me. I do feel that I'm coming to a place of accepting my life and processing and, the, and navigating the emotional feelings of guilt and whatever else is, is attached, you know, and, and lightening up, you know, and lightening up to, to a way of life that uh, is celebration, but roots and wings, as you would say, you know, the both, the, your feet on the ground and uh, at the same time a feeling of celebration. Okay. And it's amazing. It was a, he was an amazing teacher. Osho was 
very, very, very special man. Mm-hmm. Of course, very misunderstood, like uh, like you would expect from the society, but that didn't make it any less potent, you know. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that. That's very interesting. We're just going to take a break. And that was the first portion of my interview with devotional singers, uh, David Permal and Mitten. To get actually a, a, a full-on bio, you can go onto their site, www.davapermalmitten.com. And just so you know that there's also um, a guest that tours with him. His name is Manoz. He will also be playing um, in uh, Vancouver along with Deva and Mitten. So I hope this first portion of the interview was interesting to you. And to be quite honest, I mean, um, I needed more than an hour. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to fit the whole interview in this segment. So we'll probably um, download it onto, the, onto our site on uh, drishtipoint.ca. But I'll just um, take a little musical break here with the beautiful chant of the Gayatri Mantra. Thank you for tuning in today. tuning in today. I'm really sorry to cut that uh, mantra short, but I want to make sure that we listen to the interview. So we're going to listen to the second portion of the um, interview with Deva Permal and Mitten. Okay, so God, thank you for sharing uh, that, um, you know, the first segment. I mean, that was just really, you're right, maybe, you know, maybe I may not come out. <laughs> um, hey, night off. <laughs> Okay, so... Sorry, Lauren, it's the people who come are the ones who should be there. And that's, that's enough. We're not looking for fame and fortune, you know. We're not looking to turn anybody on apart from the people who come and, and be with us. That's, that's simply all it is. Absolutely. I mean, it's really very simple, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I wanted to talk about... Um, the collection of power of the sound, the tone, voice, breath, um, and how that power and how so powerful that is. Because you know uh, your, your specific song um, "Agure." Every time I hear that song, I get very moved by that. And I don't know what those words mean necessarily, but let's talk about what mantra is and. What part of us understands that? What part of our being understands that? It's the, the Sanskrit language is, is really an, an energy language, so it speaks to us on a very deep level, which is really way beyond the, the mind. Yes. And uh, I think that's why, like like you say, you, you're really touched by art Gurei, but you don't really know what it means, but it moves you, and, and then you can trust it and and let that take you deeper into its uh, into its magic and it always feels to me like a universal language sanskrit because it's you know it's a it's a so-called dead language it's not spoken nowadays but we all seem to it all seems to speak 
to all of us and we've really we've really noticed that all along our travels that that it doesn't matter at all where we come from right to to relate to it and, and to be somehow easy with the sounds and somehow to be easy with the pronunciation and the, you know more or less you know mm-hmm. but the if I said to you, if I asked you um, how you would describe, what's your relationship with Sanskrit, what would that be, do you think? You know, that's that's a really good question. I just feel at home when I speak it. It feels easy for me to learn it, you know, like on some, on some, on some level, it's, it's like learning gibberish for me, you know, like I le- learn these sounds that I don't understand, but they come so easily, I rem- remember them so easily, and I feel so at home when I, when I speak them, so <clears throat> I just, you know, I just trust that I'm drawn to it because it's something that, that's very natural to me, and it just makes me feel, feel good sharing that with others, singing it, and it, it's like that feeling with Osho, it's a feeling of being at home. Mm-hmm. Lauren, you you have to you have to look at you have to imagine you know thousands and thousands of years ago when uh, the wise men or the of the time were were experimenting with the body and they found that certain sounds created certain physical and emotional responses in the body. Mm-hmm. Certain sounds repeated actually had an effect. And this is what a mantra is. So you a collection of sounds that actually impact the body-mind organism. That's what a mantra is. And so it's... And of course, the body, the spiritual, yeah, of course, the spiritual, of course, the spiritual, mainly the spiritual, I guess. But so what you've got with our good A is something that is living. The Sikh people who chant that mantra see it as, as something that is alive. To them, when they sing that mantra, they are evoking and invoking a, a certain energy that's, that they would call the guru. That is, that is the guru. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the pre- when you hear Art Gure, you are actually in the presence of a living guru. That's, that's how strong the mantras are. And of course they got covered up over the years with dust and everything as they, as these things do in modern technology, but it doesn't take away their, 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 their power, their healing power. And just to just to clarify, like the, that the word guru means the one who dispels the darkness, and I think that's really, for me, that's exactly the feeling I get when I chant these mantras. That I feel this light in the body and in my in my system, and I feel the light as in the physical. I feel it as a vibration and as a very alive peaceful silence, you know, that's very vibrant. Mm, I was going to comment on the silence. I mean, I love the silence after hearing, you know, even the Gayatri mantra or any one of your uh, mantras. And I know, Mitten, you talked about, I saw it written there, that this is why you do it, is to experience that place of silence. Yeah. Well, the silence is in there already, you know. it's The silence is in the music and... uh, in the concerts, we actually get to feel that. That's the healing. That's the beauty of, of the concerts. It's that the, the music will ascend from the 
silence and disappear back into the silence and it will take us with it. So by the end of, a, of two or three hours of, of that journey, you know, we can experience a deep space of, of peace and meditation. Hmm. Um, what comes up uh, for both of you, uh, the word OM? chosen to take that um, uh, I don't know how you want to call it but you know Baba Hari Das is one to um, take that oath of, of being silent for the remainder of his life I think it's great I wish Osho had been more silent actually he caused a lot of trouble <laughs> okay <laughs> but I think it's great the, the key the key it, it's not the silence of the graveyard you know the, we, we must be clear on what Silence is. It's it's the silence of 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 bliss. You know where nothing needs to be said, but everything is very alive. Right. And uh, what what can we say as you know humans? What can we say that can possibly change anything? And I I, I I mean I can imagine there comes a time when words are just insufficient. Mm hmm. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the birthing process and the uh, passing away process. A couple of things that I've noted um, in that, um, you know, uh, Deva, you, you were um, chanted the Gayatri Mantra um, while you were in the womb and then you, uh, it was mentioned that when your father passed in 2005, you had the opportunity to... Um, you know, chant to him um, while he was passing. Um, also, um, you were, um, it is mentioned that you um, you were at the passing of the 
um, author Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's passing. So if you could speak on that, what, um, and actually my meditation teacher, uh, teacher Tammy Simon of Sounds True recently did a blog uh, podcast and she said, you know, with all the spiritual teachers that she's interviewed, you know, one of the lessons that she's learned is that we know nothing. You know, because she had asked, I guess, Ken Wilbur about, okay, Ken, like, where do we go when we die? And, you know, it's like, well, we really don't know. So I'm wondering if in those glimpses of the passing of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and your father, if you had, what occurred for you in those moments? Um, For the Akashic Records, I just have to say, I I wasn't actually at the passing of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. I don't know, maybe there's some misunderstanding that she, because she invited us to play at her funeral, so maybe there was some... Okay, maybe I read that incorrectly, sorry. Uh, you know, I also came to that when my when my father left his body, I had all these things in my mind that I had read, especially from the Tibetan book of dying, and you know all the near death experience books I'd read of people who had had uh, had died and come back and what they said, and I was so full of that and so convinced, you know, that that's how it is. And and when he left his body, I just came back to that feeling of not knowing what why I have no idea you know and it it felt really good to just leave it at that you know it's a complete mystery to me what happens and actually I'm quite excited about it I must admit you know I find it's quite a uh, present at the end of our lives to be able to experience something that's so completely unknown to us and nobody can really tell us, you know, beforehand what it's going to be like. So I I, I don't feel death as a, as a threatening thing. Yes. I don't say I'm not afraid of death. Most probably I have that in me. But somehow at this point I feel like I the, the thought of death is more that of, of, a, of a kind of a openness and a, and a readiness for when it, when it has to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Mitten, did you want to comment? I, I was just thinking that, you know, not knowing is actually the ultimate knowledge because, because uh, the, you know, again, if we know, then, then it, it reduces godliness. And, and not knowing is really uh, an amazing space to be in. It's an innocence and it's, uh, it, it's the innocence of a child and, and mm-hmm. it's the, the possibility of, of great things. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, it makes nonsense, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Deva, in your, uh, in the chant, the Gayatri Mantra, you had, uh, you know, talked about that you had finally um, found, you said that you had at last had found your song and that um, you had found something that was yours. Did you think that there was not something missing, but what was that for you? Um, as, as that, I meant just finding the mantras. You know, the Gayatri was the, the gateway and the, the, the bridge and the introduction and the home for my voice to 
find itself that it was comfortable in, in singing and chanting the mantras and then also sharing them, which was a big thing. You know, before I was singing with Niten and I was very shy and very, very timid about using my voice in front of people and, and being heard. And when I reconnected to the Gayatri and then through the Gayatri to all the mantras that, that have been coming my way in all these last years, I, I, uh, it just, it just expanded, you know, my voice expanded, it felt comfortable. Yeah, it's, Mithen has a song that's, that's called Sing Your Own Song, and it felt like I'd found my song. And then in that song there is no self-consciousness, you know, there is no shyness, it's just, you know, this is it, this is me, take it or leave it. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing with finding your own song is that it's always very, very often right there underneath our noses, and we always look beyond for something that's worthwhile something that we feel is, a, is a, some kind of effort to get there and then we feel we've achieved something but in fact our song is always very very near to us and, and, and I'm talking generally now not just music but in whatever we do it's, it's always right there under our noses but we tend to think it's somewhere else do you know what, do you know what I mean? yes I know what you mean Mm-hmm. Okay, and on that note, we're going to take a break. Thank you. And I'd like to play for you the um, Adgure chant that I was talking to, and I'd like to dedicate this to um, a young fellow who's um, currently in the hospital. His name is Jeff Banford, and he's experienced incredible burning right to the bone and he's having surgery and I just like to sending some blessings I have no idea who this person is but he's a friend of a friend and maybe this will reach him thanks for tuning in today It's a sneak uh, preview of that song, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I love it, and I have to continue on with the interview. And um, for those of you who are about to embark to go to India, I know this is the time of year where everyone starts to get ready and leave loved ones behind and all that. I hope this has been also inspirational for you. You know who you are. And I'm going to continue with um, Deva Pramal in Mitten, and you're listening to Drishti Point on Co-op Radio 102.7 FM. Thank you. And welcome back. Uh, with um, I am here today with uh, Deva Pramal and Mitten. Actually, we're we're talking from uh, Germany, which is great. So. Um, we live in a really loud world these days. Um, I, I, Mitten, one of the things that you're talking about is that, um, you know, you were able to look from the outside, um, you were, you know, at one point. And I think that your lifestyles right now, I mean, in a certain sort of way, you're not, um, 
melding with society and, and do you know what I mean so you're in between worlds I see you as in between worlds and is that a gift in itself or it's a gift it's not really it's not so much a choice but uh, it is a gift you know we feel totally uh, totally a choice my apartment or my house and chant mantras for an hour and sit in silence for an hour so that it goes beyond the social and it gives people a chance and a feeling of, of purpose because most things in life in society are, are, are just a, a waste, a waste of life, a waste of energy. So it just... It just um, it just is that way. That it's just the nature of the beast that we feel somehow. You know, we're not singing pop songs. We're not entertaining anybody. It's not our thing at all. So we we find ourselves in a very interesting position where we're relating to many many people in a beautiful way, a very deep connection. But at the same time, tomorrow night we're gone, and it's not it's not about. Uh, exciting the people who come to see it. It's not even about emotionally uh, uh, exciting them or, or satisfying some emotion. It's beyond even emotion. It's about spirituality. It's about uh, silence, and that is that's not that's beyond emotion, and it's definitely beyond excitement. So we're living in that in that flow, and somehow that's 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 been our journey and. Uh, you know, that it, and it's a blessed journey, especially to share it with your beloved. I, I, don't, I don't think I could do it alone, and I'm sure David would would tell you the same thing. You know, but together we are uh, we we support each other. We're good friends. We can travel around the world. Last year we were in like I don't know 20 countries or something, and uh, we can we can do this because we we're continually nourished and continually. Uh, held by by the people who come to see us and by the life that that we live so it it, it is a blessing mm. and do you ever feel a sense of sadness when you leave no we're always ready to move on you are hey <laughs> <laughs> true it's really true <laughs> yeah. i love to come and i love to go <laughs> right wow we always feel like, you know, people get fed up with us if we stay too long. <laughs> so we better get get moving. But we just spent seven weeks in Corfu in Greece on the beach where we have uh, three programs there. We we had uh, altogether over 200 people come for, for our programs in Greece. And it's idyllic, you know. It's idyllic. You're on this beautiful island in Corfu. And people ask us, you know, are you ready to go? And the answer is, yeah. You know, next week we'll be in Miami, and uh, that's perfect. Mm. And as you've traveled around the world, what do you think, you know, is the common element between the, um, you know, the people that come and see you? I mean, the common element is that they're all ready to, to come together and experience uh, a feeling of oneness, through singing and through sound and chanting and silence, and and the most and the beautiful thing is now nowadays that 
that you can't recognize them on the street anymore. You know, it used to be that you could see somebody and know, oh, that's the kind of type, you know, who would come to to a concert like that or an evening like that. And that's not that's not like it anymore. Now it's totally beyond the. Yeah, you know, like totally beyond the mold, which is so beautiful that we we see that people are just waking up to this to this way more and more. You know, mm-hmm. really beyond beyond expectations or beyond um, how do you say certain groups. Yes, yes, yes. It's um. Hmm. Okay. And. As you have traveled around the world and you see the natural disasters that are happening or, you know, the wars and so on and so forth, um, uh, you obviously, I guess, don't put attention to that, but how, how is it that you within yourselves stay content and know that you're on the path of love and so on and so forth? We do pay attention to it as much as as we feel we can contribute something, you know, like finding ways to raise money for Haiti when when that earthquake happened or, you know, friends who are going through disastrous or challenging times with health. For playing in prisons. Oh, wow. Uh, Or, or, you know, the last CD we we did is is a benefit CD for Tibetan you know, refugees. So we we help as 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 much as we can on that level too, and and also, you know, for for us it feels like it's it's a, it's it's uh, spreading what we spread and the messages we receive from people, what they get through through the music and the mantras. It just makes us see again and again that it it helps people cope with everything and it helps people actually heal and and in return spread again from their side peace and, and love and this sounds very rosy and pinky but it's it's really true mm-hmm. you know it's amazing the messages we receive very the emails we get from people who who are touched by the music and then have transformations happening on a physical level or you know from being almost suicidal and then finding the joy again so it's it's our way of contributing to the to the balance in the in the world is our way is singing and, and chanting and and being in, in joy together for an evening and then inspiring people to make that part of their lives. Mm-hmm. So in closing, if you could share anything about yourselves or um, about yourselves or uh, a message that you were wanting to impart to our listenership. What do you think that would be in this moment in our lifetime? I mean, for me, it's what Mithen already mentioned. For me, it's like, you know, how can we all find ways to infuse our daily lives with a sense of the bigger picture and a sense of sacred? How can we do little things in life, like, you know, singing mantras on the way to work in the car or singing Om three times when we wake up in the morning or um, having a moment of silence before t- 
taking, you know, eating, things like that. How can we just because we, oftentimes we don't have much time for drawn out practices, but every one of us can infuse sacredness and divinity in, into the daily life schedule program, and and to be to, to remind ourselves of that in each other, and then to find ways to come together where we can enjoy our voices with each other or our silences together. So that's my that's my mission really as I travel and as I as I spread this music. Thank you. Mitten? I think, okay, I, I, I don't think there's anything necessary about myself, but I, I, I just hope that uh, in some way this little talk has inspired one person to, to look up mm. and to breathe and to take a moment for themselves. There's very, uh, you know, it, it's a great thing to try and save the planet. We, we, we all have a responsibility to, to try and reverse the horror that's happening in front of us. But there's something in, in that, uh, that adage of, uh, you know, the, the peace begins within. And uh, I would encourage people to to remember that. And uh, and one way and a, and a shortcut in, in in my experience to put in a piece is to chant mantras. And it might sound very like David said, a little New Agey or something. But but the mantras are ancient, ancient, ancient uh, uh, tools. And uh, they are not nothing. I, I've experienced them very clearly for myself. I didn't really know much about mantras until Deva started to teach me, really. But, and I can say from my own experience, they are not nothing. They, they provide solace. They provide support. They provide inspiration. And uh, these things are necessary as we go through life on this beautiful planet and, and in such a turmoil, something of peace and something of, of solitude. And, and again, I don't mean solitude in the way of the graveyard. I mean a, a, a happy solitude, a, a, an optimistic, fulfilled solitude where you can reach out, where you shine. You know, and, and really, that's that's what I found the mantras have given me, and, and that's why I'm not spending time with my grandchildren, because I've got something more important even to do, and that's to share it while I can in a world that's full of turmoil, you know. So I hope that the mantras in some way uh, can be uh, can be embraced. In, 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 you know, right now we've sold almost a million CDs, so we know there's a lot of people out there, and uh, you know, and and of course it's it, it, it's like uh, it's like the Dalai Lama said, you know, if China hadn't invaded, who would have known about the monks, the Tibetan monks? Who would have known mm -hmm. about all this, what they were doing? And as it is now. Uh, we're we're blessed with with having Tibetan monks in our midst, you know, and uh, so who knows? Who knows the bigger picture? But uh, for me personally, the mantras have enriched my life, and uh, that's what I wish to share. 
And on that note, I'm going to end the day today with uh, just a few announcements. Um, just to remind everybody, if they want to learn more and be in the presence of David Permal and Mitten, their concert is Sunday, September the 12th at the Centennial Theatre. And you can purchase tickets either through the Centennial Theatre or at Banyan Books. And... Um, Yoga Beyond Form, Body, and Voice is a fundraiser workshop for yoga outreach on Sunday, September 19th um, with Sandra San Martino, an amazing um, teacher of 35 years. You can go to www.yogaoutreach.com. And um, also, just to lastly say that Sonic Temple hosts, hosts an amazing didgeridoo player by the name of Shine, who's a beloved friend, and he is amazing. So check out Sonic Temple in North Vancouver. And I want to end off today's show by saying that we have our own devotional singer here in Vancouver, the amazing Mr. Wade Imra Morissette, and I'm going to leave you off with that mantra called Together. And thank you for tuning in today. I'm Lauren Spaniolo with Drishti Point. Have a nice day. Namaste. Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.